Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by no one. We don't have a sponsor this week. Nope. We don't have a sponsor next week either. Which means we're doing this ep- this episode and the next episode for free. Because we're going to be real broke. <laughs> we ain't got no money now. We never had money. <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode is brought to you by Ryan and Steve's empty bank accounts. Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Ryan, <laughs> Ryan and Steve out of the goodness of their hearts. Uh-huh. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Ryan and Steve's uh, bank safe mothballs. They'll keep your they'll keep your bank safe nice and fresh, even though there's nothing in it. All right. Hey, I'm Christian from Adventure Audio, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar. Buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing podcasts. Nice. I thought you were going to practice. That was it. Okay. Perfect. I'm a one-take wonder. Hey, Steve. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing, man? Good, good, dude. What's new with you? Uh, it's been a long week. But uh, besides that, I had a, a really fun weekend a week ago. Yeah. I like Friday through you're, Saturday. Uh, you were blowing up the social medias with all your photos. I took a lot of photos. You were like, look at this photograph. <laughs> Goodness gracious, Steve. Is that a song you just wrote? No. Because it's like, oh my gosh, it's dude. like contextually perfect. Do you not know for that? For me posting photos. Do you not? No, dude. I okay. know that song. I was song. like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm being wait a, a second. I'm being silly, Steve. I'm making a joke. Steve's about to pour himself some beer. But yeah, let me, let me talk about my weekend I had last weekend. Uh, and by last weekend, I mean a weekend a day or so before you're hearing this. Uh, so Fretboard Journal, the magazine, had, uh, pour me some too, Steve, had their Fretboard Summit here in town at a really nice hotel that has like a conference room areas. And they hosted this thing for three days. They had all these different speakers and all these different guitars there. And I originally went there with the intention of like getting a bunch of interviews and talking to a bunch of people and like just getting a lot of content. And I got a lot of photos, but then I got like two speakers into it, like two conferences into it. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of like chill out and enjoy this. There were a bunch of people there that, that we know. Uh, Gabriel was there from uh, Gabriel Tenoro Strings. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh in the past, he was running Guadalupe Custom Strings. I don't know if he's still running it or if he's just doing two businesses at once. But he's he shifted into doing uh, Gabriel Tenero Custom Strings, uh, which you should go check out. He makes strings like by hand, by hand, like with a machine that's like super old, and it's like as like handcrafted as you can get as far as strings go. Oh, you want to hear something crazy? What Gabriel's doing right now? Tell me something crazy. He's hand making flat wound bass strings. Oh, yeah, oh, you flat, mentioned something flat about that. guitar strings, too. You know how he's doing it? Like hand hammering them no, or something? No, with sandpaper. Oh, geez. He's winding strings and then hand sanding them to be flat wound, which is nuts. Completely nuts. And he's not charging enough for him, in my opinion, for the amount of work he's putting in. I believe it. It's it's just crazy to think about. Uh, other guys were there. Uh, Michael from Mike's Guitar Bar was there. It's a ton of fun to hang out with him. Uh, uh, God, man, so many people. <laughs> even remember now uh uh uh, shoot adam from satellite amps was there 
Yeah, the the I top, saw Bob Taylor there. You know the top secret guitar you posted a photo of. Uh huh. Um, that was on a the he talked about that. If it's the one I'm thinking of, if it it is like a top secret thing. I don't know how secret it is. It's not real. I'm pretty. If that's if that's. I don't want to blow the secret. If it is a secret, I'm. If it's what I think it is, um, you, listen to the Satellite Amps episode with uh, Blake on the Tone Mob. Okay. Podcast. I'm pretty sure he talks about it. Okay. Cool. I'll go check that out. I, I think we should go down there and, and chat with him about that too, because yeah, it's it's really neat. I'm really stoked about this guitar and kind of what he's doing. Um, man, oh Mason Stoops was there. Hung out with Mason Stoops a lot. Yeah, I got one interview from the whole thing, and it was with uh, Chris Young, Chris from Young from Union, Union Tube and Transistor. That's that's right. Steve has all the words correct, and I have to fight to remember anything today. I figured I'd just jump out there and say it because I listened to that episode today, and you're like, "Oh, Union Effects," and he was like, "No, yeah. Union Tube and Transistor." I screwed up. Well, his shirt said Union in big words and had tube tr- transistor small yeah. under it. So. I didn't know they were Union Tube and Transistor until actually I saw uh, your like title for the episode. Yeah, but it, they that's quite a story. Go listen to that episode. Uh, I posted yeah, it. It's last, only like 15 minutes long. It's real short, but it's just kind of a crazy story about how this guy, like, kind of like his business skyrocketed by him just sending a pedal to Jack White and like, yeah. hey, check this out. And it kind of just exploded. Well, I'd from seen there. some of their stuff before, but you know, I yeah, didn't really no, know anything they, about it. They're them. definitely like, getting all their most of their sales from that thing and uh i'm sure they're doing well with their other pedals but like that bumble buzz is just their cash cow it sounds like which is great good for them man that's great yeah and he plugged it in it sounded awesome oh there was like a little electric guitar clinic mm-hmm. uh and uh man what's the name of the amp company i forgot already i want to say black tone works or something like oh um yeah there was one i wasn't super familiar with it was because this guy basically makes <laughs> basically like, he makes shut up you're the one who hates that. I know. <laughs> um, he he like he custom makes amps for individuals like you come in and he like figures out your needs black Bl- volt black volt amplification there we so go. i got to play around with uh i think he was saying it was joe perry's amp Ooh. from aerosmith but he was doing a, a talk about amp technology and he was spending a lot of time talking about output. Ugh, can't talk today. Output transformers. And at the end of the talk, he's like, does someone want to come up here and like plug in and like really push this amp really hard? And no one raised their hands. And he, <laughs> then he pointed at me like, you want to come up and do it? I was like, yeah, okay. I got nothing to lose. I'm, you know, everyone here It's crazy. Cause at fretboard journal, everyone's like crazy, like finger pick style. Yeah. Like, like super intricate and like tight, like acoustic guitarist. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get up there and slop it up for a little bit. <laughs> so just completely crank this amp, which I think was like, like a 30 watt amp or something like that. Wow. And, uh, I didn't turn the knobs. He had it turned up and he's like, I oh, just show off some, you know, dynamics of it, play clean and play dirty. And so I went back and forth with it and you could feel everyone in the room get really nervous because it was really loud oh my gosh. and the door opened and people were poking their head in. It's like, what do you, what do you guys think you're well, doing? Well, it's not like the Rancho Bernardo Inn. So it's at, you know, at, at like a hotel. Yeah. But there's like the, in the rooms adjacent to it, people are doing other oh, conferences. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> right. But it was a ton of fun. It sounded great. Uh, and then it was funny after, uh, after the conference, that, that talk was done, a, uh, a guy who was in there because they were doing it in the same room that like the vintage guitar show was happening. So in between talks, you go in and check out these vintage guitars and this old guy with white hair is like, you want to hear what a, you know, a 1960s 
Les Paul sounds like through that amp. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we do. Because I've been playing through a, 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 a Jaguar, no, a, a Jazzmaster that someone had there. I think a newer one. So everyone's like, yeah, yeah, play, uh, play the 60s Les Paul. So the guy plugs in. There's no sound coming out. And everyone's looking at him like, what's going on? And then the owner of the amp company is like, turn up the volume on your guitar. <laughs> so he just turned up the volume on his guitar. And then he's like noodling and trying to play. And it just kind of like sucked all the energy out of the room. Because the, right. the guy wasn't like showing off the guitar. He was just like kind of lightly plucking and like kind of noodling. And it's just this funny moment to be there for. But uh, it was fun. I got to hear 60s Les Paul, I guess, through this cool <laughs> amp. But the guitar was beautiful. It was just the moment was funny to me. Uh, I don't know if I have anything else I need to talk about about that. Oh, I got to got to see the very first guitar ever made by Bill Bigsby. I saw the pictures of that. Is it too. Bill Bigsby or is it Bob Bigsby? Is Bill Bigsby? I think it's Bill. Yeah, it's Bill. I'm trying. I mean, I'm pulling off hand. Yeah. So, but it was this. Uh, it was this old like lap steel like frying pan style guitar that he made. Uh, Bill Bigsby was a, a motorcycle technician and he made like parts like cast aluminum parts, right. which is how he got into making the trims. But he like made this entire thing out of cast aluminum and it's just got all these like crazy details and stuff. And it's got his initials on it and mm-hmm. the thing sold at auction and people, the auctioneers were trying to sell it as a Rickenbacker. <laughs> and, uh, the guy who was there giving the talk about it is the guy who directed the, uh, documentary Helvetica. And uh, the documentary Objectified and a, and a couple other documentaries. I'm familiar with Helvetica. I don't yeah. know if I'm familiar with any. So of he was work. watching this uh, this auction online, mm-hmm. and it was like, I don't think that's a Rickenbacker. I think that's a Bill Bigsby that's like lost to history. I'm gonna pull. So the, how- I'm gonna pull the trigger on this freaking uh-huh. thing. Um, but he told the whole story, and it was a lot of fun. And he was talking about the history of of Bigsby and all that. And, yeah, Some really wild. cool builders were there giving talks. Uh, Saul Cole was there. Uh, Smith was there from TS, TC Smith Guitar Works. I'm getting his name wrong. I'm, I'm positive. And then, uh, uh, shoot, what's his name with a C? Um, oh, and his name was Paul Bigsby. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I'm looking at it Are right you now. serious? Okay. Yep. Well, I think he had like nicknames that he went by, right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm completely screwing this up. I yeah, can't. his nickname was P.A., yeah, but I thought it was about Bill Bixby. Collins, is it Collins Guitars? Collins does make guitars. No, but it wasn't. Is he was there, right? I have a picture of him. I don't know, man. I wasn't there. <laughs> don't ask me these things. Uh, but anyways, a ton of people were there. It was a really great time, like hanging out with everyone and hanging out with Saul Cole and and uh, Mason Stoops and all those cats and. Just it really got me excited for Nam and looking forward to winter yeah. Nam. Here are the people you posted pictures with. Oh, here's a picture where you listed nobody. Here's a picture where I, you listed Jack Cassidy, Dan Schwartz, and Rick Turner. Um, yeah. and let's not worry about it. I'm terrible at names. I'm terrible at people. You're terrible. I'm, ter- I'm sorry if you're listening to this and I forgot your name or, or mangled it. All right. Um, Let's get into the episode. What well, are you saying? Yeah. Uh, Do you have real, something new? Real quick. No, uh, but I wanted to um, give a couple shout outs. First of all, we're drinking Rough Draft Ooh. tonight. Um, this is the Rough Draft Freudian Sip. It's their strong ale. It um, is strong. It's As far as I know, it is not um, barrel aged, but you could have fooled me. 
It is it is sugary. It is strong. I feel like my eyes are watering from the drink yeah, that took. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to uh, Bill Acola who set that up for us. Uh-huh. Uh, he uh, gave him a call and said, hey, here's my, my information. When this guy comes in to uh, pick it up, uh, just put it on my tab. Yep. Uh, that, was, that was a super fun way for us to get beer on the show. Yeah, I never thought about it before. And, yeah. you know, he, he knew from listening to previous episodes that I already had a class, so... Uh, he knew we, I could just go in there and get a fill. Yep. Um, I also want to give a shout out. I was supposed to do this a few weeks ago uh, to Lee Beat and the Beat family. Uh, he's in the UK and his whole family listens to the show. Those apparently. Poor, those poor, poor people. Stop <laughs> um, torturing your family. So, so thanks, <laughs> Lee, uh, for that. Um, also, one last one. Not really a shout out. Maybe it's a shout out. They called it a shout out, but I think they, they were making shout, fun of me. Shout it out um, loud, Steve. I was talking to my coworkers. We got to have a party. I was telling my coworkers how sometimes people send us beer on the show and, and whatever, and they're like, oh, you think you're so cool. Like, oh, we didn't know we were in the presence of royalty. Oh, my gosh. Like, you're just a celebrity. <laughs> Will you sign my shoes? Shoes. So, uh, so Mariana, Justine, Ella, thanks, I yeah. guess. <laughs> Even though you'll never actually listen to this did unless you ca- I play it for did you. Did you catch my kiss reference back there? Um, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Shout it, shout it out loud. I don't we know. Got to have a party. Oh it's a gosh. song, Steve, by Kiss. Uh, that means nothing to All right. me. All right, never mind. I don't listen to Kiss. Yeah, you only listen to Jimmy Eat World, right? Dude, <laughs> don't over. get me started on the new Jimmy Eat World. Just it's, over and over it, again. That's it's all you listen not. To. Uh, all right, I won't get you started on that because I don't want to listen to it. Let's do ads. Let's get into some advertisements. We're doing ads, ads, you ads, know, we, ads, uh, ads, ads. We did a, two weeks of shows that were very unconventional for us. Yeah, we're getting back to... Uh, get back to the good stuff. The, the, the stuff that uh, you want. Yeah. I guess. It's the, the ads you want. It's the ads you want. It's the ads you want. Um, I feel like It's that. just an ad. It's just an ad. The ads you want. Yeah, that's, that's what okay, I was going that's for. That's what I thought you were going that's for. Going. I'm full of, of bad song references tonight. They're not bad songs, but my references, my yeah, team said right, the references This is are a Bach Explorer. This is from the inbox. It's not a Bach Explorer. I meant to write Block Explorer. Oh, this is, uh, this, let's call this ad Ryan doesn't know how to spell. It's, I know how to, or okay, type. I don't know, I don't know how to type. Okay. My fingers miss letters sometimes. This is from the inboxer. It says it's a unique custom made electric guitar. This is on Reverb. Uh, it's a super rare custom electric guitar. We compared it to a similar Gibson, and it was a lot more exciting to play. Listen to. This is a handmade solid body uh, with the Gibson scale. It's fitted with, with circa 1970 Gibson T-top humbuckers on the neck and a Seymour Duncan modern humbucker, which was fitted at our workshop. The rest of it's cut off. Uh, I didn't include the rest of it? Uh, I don't think there's much after that. Anyway, like, they're asking $1,500. Well, $1,508.20. Whatever, and a hundred and thirty dollars to ship. Basically, it's in yeah. the UK, so I mean, I guess that's oh, an, okay. that's an understandable shipping rate because it's the numbers are are weird because it's it's conversion rates and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, so here's what I don't get, um, and maybe it's because it's a conversion rate thing, but if it doesn't have any sort of branding on it which it doesn't appear to have how do you know this is rare if it doesn't have any branding they could have made well that's 10,000 of these that's how you know it's rare because you've never seen anything like it before yeah i've never seen anything like it in my life no, i've well, never seen anything like it another song reference uh, I'm sorry it's from a musical i don't know 
I'm full of them. But yeah, this is this is probably definitely like I'd I'd put five dollars on it that this is a one off. Like yeah. there's no way that there's a bunch of these out there. Someone commissioned this or built this. Uh even the head sock looks crazy. Um if it plays great, that's awesome. But my and I think it I honestly think this guitar looks cool. Like really cool. Yeah. I think this is a really cool look. It's like this blockist, there's not a single smooth edge on it, uh, version of an explorer shape. Like lines don't meet up well and it's kind of like off kilter. And I just, there's so much about it that's so funky that I just, I'm kind of in love with it. Mm -hmm. But even though I'm in love with it, it, the price is way too high. Like I'll be super surprised if this thing sells anywhere I, close. Well, to and this. that's what I'm saying. Like without without knowing, I'm I'm gonna bet that the pickups in this are worth way more than the guitar itself. That's fair, because uh, you got the T top, seventies Gibson T top, yeah. 1970 Gibson T top. That's that's probably fair, and I think and, that, and unfortunately, this is something we've talked about before. Where you know I could go out and just nail the perfect formula one time, right? You know, and make the greatest guitar ever made. Right. Um, but if there's only one of them, if well, not even if it's the only one of them, but if you know, no one's ever heard of you. Twenty years, you know, someone's just like, oh yeah, this guy made this custom guitar. It's the best guitar ever made. It really should be worth like a billion dollars. Right. But I'm offering it to you for fifteen hundred dollars. You're gonna be like, nah, that's cool. Yeah, because you know that it's gonna be super hard to sell it if you ever need to, like. Even if you put this in my hands and I said, yeah, this plays like a $1,500 guitar. It plays like a $2,000 guitar. This guitar plays like a $5,000 guitar. Even if I could admit that by holding it in my hands and playing it, it doesn't make it worth that because there's no precedence for it. And there's no, uh, you don't know who made it. You don't know where it came from. If it's infinitely rare because there's only one, does that make it invaluable? It's priceless because you literally cannot figure out a price for it. Yeah. Like, not to say that it's, the price is high, but it's like the price of this is really just what the first person will offer for it. Because, yeah, and, like that, you, and that's not to say that it is you, or it, isn't worth it. It's just that no, I'm in this guitar, like I said, this guitar could easily be a great player. You could be a really good player. It it probably is. Like this thing has a really neat like binding job around it. Anyone who is doing binding like that, I'm assuming they can build a guitar to, you know, decent specs. Yeah. You know, everything looks like it lines up. I'm, nothing is catching my eye and going like, oh, that's a, well, that's a goofy know, the, thing There are certain things did. about the body shape that makes me feel like it could have been something like an X-Series uh, Lotus or something from like the 80s. Matsumoku had some stuff that it sort feels, of had that body shape. It feels like it comes out of that era for sure, but then the headstock, like, they would have labeled the headstock. Yeah. And the headstock is so like, this is a one-off. The person didn't like draw out the template. They just like eyeballed it sort of thing. Yeah. In a good way though. I think they did a good yeah. job. I'm just liking all these hard angles. How much? I think, how, it's, I think it's cool. What would the cost of this have to be for, if it's, so, so if, if it's local, somebody said name a dollar amount and I'll write you a check for it so you can buy this guitar. What would that dollar amount be? Here's what I'd say. Here's my scenario. This is local. I go to check it out. I pick it up. I play it. I think it plays great. Mm -hmm. I love the look. I love the feel. I'm ready to buy this thing. 
to like be in my, you know, weird band or whatever, or even mm-hmm. just as like to have it around to play it. I feel like there's the number in my head is specific, but I feel like like 425 is like where I'm at. Really? Yeah. I can get that. I, I mean, yeah, I and most of that is going to be the value of the pickups. Sure. It's always been, uh, it's interesting to me because I've been in a few different uh, social groups, Facebook and, and whatever, where people will say like, well, the guitar's worth whatever, like whatever you're willing to pay for it. And as long as you're right. happy with what you paid, like then it shouldn't matter. And, and to an extent I get that, but a lot of times this is used to justify where like somebody bought, you know, um, well, everything is worth somebody, what something somebody, is worth. Right, but somebody bought like a modified Affinity Stratocaster for $300. They're like, well, it's the best playing Affinity Stratocaster I've ever played and it's worth every penny. It's like, it's worth every penny to you because you're satisfied with your purchase, but yeah. you can't use that as a justification when somebody else says like, hey, I, wa- I want to buy an Affinity Stratocaster. How much is like too much to pay? Like what's the maximum amount of money, which I would say is maybe $125. Sure. Um, you know, you can't use your justifications. I got one, and it, after a setup, it was the best guitar in the world. And right. I would, I wouldn't sell this for twenty thousand dollars. Okay, that doesn't mean it's worth twenty thousand yeah. dollars. That just means like you're not going to sell it. Yeah. You know, I mean, the only way you can get a Squire to be worth twenty thousand dollars is if you have a time machine and you go back in time and you use it to. Uh, like catch Jimi Hendrix. No, Hendrix's the only vomit, way you know the only way a Squire or Finney Stratocaster is worth twenty thousand dollars is if you take off the back the pit guard and, and stuff with cocaine and stuff nineteen thousand nine hundred dollars in it, <laughs> and then say I'm selling this guitar for a hundred dollars, and I'm selling the money inside the guitar for nineteen thousand nine hundred dollars. Right, right. And altogether, it's twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. I don't but know. Yeah, I, what what would you pay? What what do you think is the dollar amount for I, this? I think I would have gone a little higher. I think I could see myself going um, five to six hundred. I feel like we're still in the same range. We though. are. We are. Uh, we're I, in that. We're in that kind of like in between like new Mexican Fender and like like used. Well, we're we're kind of like in this like Fender Gibson kind of safe. Yeah, like I said, something about the way the body looks is very NYJ to me. I, I now that I look closer at the headstock, and it looks like it's got like vintage style tuners in it. Yeah, so it's definitely not. This is definitely an old bird. This, this is not a new guitar. I don't, even, I don't even know if this is new or old. I think it's it could be built more recently with just a bunch of random mismatched no, parts. No, this is very this is very specific. It wasn't just thrown together. I think it is it's set neck. This isn't like a parts guitar. Someone was very specific when they built this guitar. And the look is very late 70s, 80, like early 80s, like the wood and the gold yeah. kind of thing. I would have I wonder if these are the original pickups because it they don't really match. Well, he the says look. they're Gibson T-tops, so yeah. obviously they're not because well, it's if not it's like custom made, it doesn't have original pickups. They're just whatever right, the guy had right. lying but around. I'm, you know, the, I'm saying that I Betting that the person who designed this put bit different pickups in to match the look. Maybe. Because the white rings and the white uh, humbucker doesn't really make sense. Is that white or is that double cream? It's, it's double, white. It's double white. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, this was sent by Joshua K. Fraser. Fraser? Uh-huh. Fraser? It's usually pronounced Fraser, right? 
Could be Fraser. I don't uh, know. I would be really surprised if it was Fraser, but I am not going to correct you. All right, guys. Uh, this is a Gibson Fling V. It sure is. It's in very, very good shape. It's got a gold tone trim. Um, I'm looking at it, and it says it's a flaying V, but I don't see any flares attached to it. No, I think I it, don't know how it flays. <laughs> Maybe they mean a, a filleting V. A filleting V. And you use it to uh, cut up fish. I don't think the angles are sharp enough. You'd need a Randy Rhodes flaying V for that. <laughs> good, good one, Steve. You got me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. Uh, who posted this? Um, John Joshua K. Fraser. I'm looking Fraser. Up. Fraser. Oh, yeah, that's right. You already said that. I'm I'm looking it up on the group right now because I he he called it out as a fake. Yeah. And oh I, yeah, they're asking twenty two hundred dollars. Yeah. Uh, I asked him what like stuck out to him that that made it look like a fake, and it did look like a fake to me, but I couldn't like put my finger on it. I was like something about this feels wrong, but I can't like piece it together other than like the way that the the uh serial number is printed on the back of the headstock looks really bad to me i'm still trying to find this ad oh my god i just searched for it you're you're oh here it is you're the one with the voodoo i I, i'm not i know i not on facebook i got it i got it so i asked him um what are the big indicators that this is fake (laughs) you know in case we talk about it on the show the way the serial is printed Looks really bad to me, and I've never seen a V with this finish combo before, though I'm sure they exist. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then he says, the serial number doesn't exist in Gibson's database. No so that's joke. One, that's one thing you can check. Okay. You can check serial number and see if it exists. He says, there is no made in the USA stamp on the back of the headstock. The headstock right. shape is wrong, and the Epiphone uh-huh. Carina mod- models came in exactly this color combination with the string through bridge. Ooh. Uh, so that's what he has to say. Well, I can't speak much to any of those points, uh-huh. except for the fact that the serial number is obviously printed not correctly because it's a sticker. Yeah, it was like a. It, I couldn't tell by the photo. It just looked like really janky and weird. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that's a decal. Yeah. Um, this has the vintage Cluson style tuners on it. And I was trying to see if that's a thing, and and it looks like it is. That sometimes they had them and sometimes they didn't. Um, I'm interestingly, I'm not finding too many um, now, the way examples of, of flying V headstocks that have the serial number on the back. So I'm not a hundred percent sure if that. I mean, I I can't imagine Gibson putting it anywhere else though. Yeah, they wouldn't put it anywhere else. No, someone posted a link that shows the way that the serial numbers are supposed to be. Oh, okay. And yeah, the headstock is definitely wrong. It's way too long. It yeah. looks to me. And that serial number is just bananas. Just completely bananas looking. Yeah. Like it, the people who are running this pawn shop, they've got to know that that's wrong, right? Oh, it's a pawn shop? Yeah. I just can't. It uh, looks like a pawn shop. Yeah, maybe. All the crickets outside just stopped. Uh, you think there's a monster outside? Probably. Um, yeah. Also, something about the pit guard is catching my eye funny. Does that pit guard look wrong to you? Uh, it just looks shiny. Look the way, look at the way the pit guard passes underneath the bridge. I don't feel like that's a, a flying V thing. Maybe I'm super wrong though. I honestly, I, I'm not of the of various guitars that I'm familiar with. The Gibson flying V is not one of them. I am going to look at images right now. Yeah. They don't pass in, under the, you know what it is? They pass under the bridge all the way and they don't pass underneath the stop tail. 
Oh wait, no. On some models, they do pass on. Oh, workout. Okay. I'm sorry. Because I'm seeing, I'm looking at the. Same. I was thinking of the other style pit garden. I'm look. Oh, okay. Yeah, on the ones with the actual V, uh, the string through, they yeah, do yeah. pass under. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, we we are in agreement that this is not a genuine. No, it Gibson looks pro- super bad. And here's the thing: is unless there's something special about it, I don't think. Uh, Gibson Flying V on the used market calls $2,200 anyway. No, especially not if it's a Flying V. Flying Vs go for much cheaper, like like $1,200 at most. <laughs> this beer's starting to hit me, Steve. I feel it in my uh, I feel it in my knees. We're drinking some big pints of it tonight here. All right. Let's move um, on to the next ad. we got nothing left to say about this. Let's not do what we've been doing for the past couple episodes and do... <laughs> To like oh, hour 50, and a half long. 50 minutes of ads, even yeah. though there's only three ads. Let's All right, this is Unique one. Acoustic Guitar. This was sent in by Adam, the inboxer. We got an inboxer sandwich with Joshua K. Frazier in the middle. This is uh, on on a reverb. Acoustic electric guitar, unique design. Uh, six, a six steel string, brand new, four-band equalizer, nine-volt battery. A unique design body has vibration board inside the body. I don't... I couldn't figure out what that meant from the pictures. Maplewood neck with truss rod, rosewood fingerboard, good action, sound quality. Uh, they are asking, so first of all, this is a, um, just an acoustic guitar. Uh, it's a double cutaway. Yeah. Where's the sound hole on this, Steve? Because I don't see it on the front. It's got like this this interesting like Native American looking like, yeah, on the like front. inlay on the front. I don't know if I'd call that na- Native American, but it's it, it definitely like, looks like some, some kind, kind of, of like, like brand. Tri- tribal, Celtic, maybe. No. I, okay, I get what you're saying. Let's just not go down the road of naming off random right, right. Okay. indigenous I, I'm not peoples. trying to pin it on any, type of, um, any certain person. To me, it looks like a uh, cattle brand. I guess I could kind of see that, but I don't know. There's something yeah, about it. Yeah, you're, you're right. There, it, 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 it is reminiscent of certain Navajo Indian designs. Not Navajo It could even be like design. Hindu or something. It's, it's just it could like, be a lot of things. It's like an ornamental square like yeah. shape. It's got some crazy inlay that I can't really figure out. The sound holes on this guitar are located in the cutaways. Yeah, like the, the top and bottom horns. And we're not saying that the sound holes are on top of the guitar like it's literally like like say you're say you're looking from the headstock down to the body of the guitar that's the only direction where you will have a direct look yeah, into the sound you're holes you're looking down into the sound holes the sound holes are where the yeah. side material so actually, would normally if be you, if you were playing this guitar you would not be able to see the sound holes absolutely not and this would this guitar would be a nightmare to Mike when you are playing it is it not an electric acoustic? It's an electric acoustic. Right, but you can, if, you're recording, electric. if you're recording an acoustic guitar, you still can throw a mic near the sound hole. Like, you would have a lot of trouble right. making these sound holes. And they're really big. But I got to say, I get the concept. Mm-hmm. Do you get the concept? How do you feel about it? I feel like for $184 and $35 shipping, which works out to uh, $219, um... What's the worst that could happen? That's true. That, what is the worst that can happen for that much? Uh, you can go try it out, and if it plays at all, and you're comfortable with it, you could freaking get this thing. I mean, I, I realize it looks very really homemade to me. Does this look like a homemade project to you? Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, does. I don't mean homemade in the way that guitar did a long time ago. That was like two acoustic guitars 
packed up and then Velcroed together. Like, it looks like a guy took, you know, like a college course on, on making guitars. Yeah, I mean, it and looks... Then, and then did, like, a really weird thing. It looks well built. Yeah, uh, but, like, look look at the finish on the back of the neck. Like, it's real spotty. Like, the guy definitely oh, looked yeah, like... Yeah, the I guy definitely it. looks like he was... Uh, doing some R&D, trying to figure out how right. to finish the neck correctly and how to do finishing. Because stuff looks a little wonky on the back of the neck. Um, also, that brace going along one side looks really weird to me. Like, that doesn't look like it's going to do you any favors. Um, I'd imagine that the better way to do this would be to brace it normally and have the material going across those the cutaways. And then how that, and then how sound holes cut into the cutaways. I'm looking at the bracing. Is that not normal? I, no, I mean, it's I don't like know. way too thick along along there. But the, oh, I see. I see. I see what you're saying. I, this, I, I see this, the part you're looking this at. This stuff right there that I'm pointing yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, but the concept I get it is that you're not cutting a hole into your the the portion of the guitar that does the vast majority of the resonating. And so you're leaving more material there to resonate. Mm-hmm. And then if you're got the, you know, onboard piezo or piezo or piezo or however how you pronounce it, pick up in there. Piezo. And it's, you know, picking up whatever's going on with the, that full soundboard. But then the, the issues I imagine, like I was mentioning with the mic and the sound hole is, isn't that what projects the sound out kind of? Like the sound projects from that direction. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing to an audience, you've got to point the guitar at them to project sound at them. Right. Is what I'm imagining. And then it's like in that situation, the sound, the the top, the sound, this the, the, the top of the guitar that produces the sound, normally that bounces off the back and bounces around in the guitar and then bounces out of the sound hole, mm-hmm. which is what I'm assuming. If there's any uh, luthiers out there who want to correct me, uh, go for it on our Facebook group. Um, instead of bouncing back and forth and then bouncing out a, a front-facing sound hole, this is bouncing back and forth and then leaking out the side, which seems yeah. like not ideal to me. Like we're just theoretically talking about this, you know, this concept. This here. is kind of like a more extreme take on um, some high-end acoustic guitars. I want to say like Olsen uh-huh. has a top sound hole, so basically where. But that makes sense because then you, then you're beaming the sound directly directly to, you. to where you are. And so then is, if you're using a built-in mic for it, it's like you're getting a clearer picture of what your guitar sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, this is definitely different. Uh, to an extent, I just, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. I just, uh, like I said, I think this would be a fun thing to mess around with. The price I is definitely right. I would love to see right. if it actually works. The price is definitely right. Um, whether or not it works, I, I really don't know. But, I'm uh, sure it works on a very basic acoustic guitar level. Um, I think it's an interesting looking piece for, for, for under $200. Like, yeah, go, go for it. If this is local and if you're the curious and kind of like, open-minded and experimenting type with guitars like just go for it i mean yeah that's that's a fun price that's a looks like a fun guitar it's kind of gaudy but if you like that sort of thing why not right yeah you know it's funny sometimes i think about how like we basically just said 220 dollars is disposable income right right um and in a lot of ways like in some ways it is in other ways it's not that's true i mean I mean, uh, most, I, don't, most of, I don't, I don't say that to be flipping about like, well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, 
like $200 is a lot of money. This is the kind of thing where it's like, if you're like really into trying, trying things and trying weird things, absolutely. Maybe $200 isn't that much money. Yeah. And in the big picture, I mean, it's one of those things where, um, I remember, I, mean, you I could, remember you could go out and buy an American Strat or an American Gibson right now and lose $200 just in the depreciation of walking out the door, or walking out the door. Right. Yeah. And I know like 10 years ago, and we talked about this not too long ago, how, um, like I've been in and out of the high end, higher end acoustic guitar market. Right. Right. And for me, that basically means a tailor of some sort. Right. Um, like you're think you're flirting with the idea of maybe getting of, of buying a tailor. Yeah. yeah. But what's funny about it is, um, is how like ten years ago, I think I could get a tailor three fourteen in the eight hundred dollar range, eight hundred to a thousand dollars, a three fourteen CE. Uh huh. Um, which is basically their lowest end acoustic electric guitar uh that's like a solid wood guitar right um and now like you don't see them in that price range very often anymore so on the one hand like again like I, it's almost being flippant and say like oh 200 like whatever but i play an acoustic guitar that i think was 150 dollars brand new that i dropped like a 50 or so pickup system into to make it like electrifiable right right electrifiable electrifiable is a great word steve i love it yeah. it is uh putting that pickup in there has made my tone uh very bigly bigly <laughs> oh my goodness all right let's you ready to get into the ad the, you the, mean the, the topic? topic i want to do this first because we wrote some things down sure um well i'm gonna redirect a little bit uh, we'll get into everything that we wrote down, of course. Are you going to do a little housekeeping or something? No, or? we already did housekeeping. Okay. I'm wondering um, what you're going to talk about. What do you think about this Strymon Riverside Multi-Drive? Well, we don't know anything about it We really it yet, don't. Well, we know than, the name, other and we than know it, that it's a multi-drive. Yeah, I mean, I made the joke last night, you know, four or five days ago, now that this is aired, uh, once it was clear that it was going to be called the the Riverside, mm -hmm. I was like, well, it's probably a drive pedal because Riverside is hot and dirty, and who doesn't want a hot and dirty drive pedal? You know? <laughs> oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, so that was kind of my my burn on Riverside, the town here in Southern oh. California. It is a so clever. It is a community east of Los Angeles, no, and it is hot and dirty. So on the on their website uh it just says riverside multi-stage drive and if you click on it it just t sends you to a link it sends you to a page where you can get on their mailing list right right um I, so what so what we know about it is there's a some switches for like push by the time this episode else. airs it's already going to be out what it is because they're doing their social this saturday oh that's right so that's right. this is going to be super dated by but the time a lot of times the social they just is they're still kind of teasing stuff no, and they let be people out. let it out everyone will know what it is all already. right so anyway um let's just say strymon's coming out with an overdrive right and, and we're excited to hear what it's um, all about people have been people have been wanting them to put out an overdrive for a while there are some questions about whether or not they will follow the, uh, the who's that company? Damage control. Uh, no, the whatever the company was, it has a digital. Oh, I don't know. 
a digital distortion on the market right now. This beer is making you burpy, dude. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it will be really interesting to see if it is a di- actual digital overdrive or digital dirt pedal, or if it is a analog dirt pedal with some kind of analog controls. I mean, you know what I mean? An analog dirt pedal with digital controls, you know, presets and stuff like that. Uh, TC's flirted with stuff like that, right? Um, yeah, they're not the one that I was thinking of. Jeez, uh, who is the company? It's really bugging me. I mean, they're, companies are getting better at making digital dirt pedals. Yeah, I mean, days. other companies have done it. Line 6 obviously had the to, MM2. I was listening to the demos of the uh, X-Tomp by... Uh, who does that one? Is it Hotone? I think so. So it's a, it's a digital multi-effect little pedal thing that looks very sleek and looks like a robot from the future. Uh, and I was listening to their their overdrives and dirt simulations on that thing. I was like, you know, that actually sounds pretty decent. I think companies are getting really close to doing uh, very convincing overdrive and dirt simulation. I haven't I haven't yet heard a digital fuzz that sounded good to me. But you never know. I feel like fuzz is a neighborhood where digital should actually really be able to exceed. Yeah, because it's just a hard square but maybe wave. Maybe not in the ways that like right. traditional fuzz users uh, want them to. I mean, once someone starts writing code, they don't let crazy stuff happen that that people love from fuzz. Like fu- people love fuzz because it starts doing like crazy, unpredictable stuff. Let's be honest, you know, and people who are sitting there writing code are like, oh, this is really getting away from me. I can't let this the, happen. The one I was trying to think of is the uh, Source Audio LA Lady Overdrive. Oh, okay. Uh, so one thing that I just wanted to say, obviously we don't know anything about it. There's very And we're already behind the times because everyone it. already knows yeah. now. Um, but we have, I would say then that we have no new information to give you. Um, is whenever somebody puts a gold pedal on the market, everyone flips out and is like, oh, obviously it's a clon, it's a clon, it's a clon, it's a clon. Hmm. Don't clonk alone. It doesn't it's a clon. look that kind of clon. It doesn't look that kind of gold. No, to me. you know, that color gold, uh, whenever I see it, I just think it's a DOD 250. I know. That was my initial thought, but I don't want to get my hopes up. But there's no, there's no possible way they're doing a digital version of a DOD 250. That's not a popular yeah, pedal. And, That's well, a $50 pedal, Steve. Right. It's going to end up being, here's my prediction, and by Monday we already know if it's wrong or right, I'm sure. My prediction is it's going to be kind of tube screamery, also kind of, probably kind of clawny. There's probably going to be clawn stuff you can do with it, and you're probably going to be able to boost it up and do some some heavy gain stuff with it. Knowing like knowing Strymon, there's going to be a bunch of options, and it's going to do a bunch of stuff, and it's going to do a handful of those things really well. Is my guess. I mean, they've they've taken this long. They're not just going to throw a drive pedal into the market after people have been begging it for so long. Yeah, without it being really well designed. Yeah, if they don't if they don't think it's like ready to compete, they're not going to put it out. Right. It's just not. I mean, because they they're, they're going to charge three hundred bucks for this thing, right? I don't know. It depends on what it is. Do they have. But any, yeah, you do gotta, they have any pedals that are under like two fifty? I feel like there's like one or two, but. Um, yeah, but hand. they're like their favorite switch, you know? <laughs> like, right? Well, like any so, pedals that size that are under two fifty. And so that's the thing is, there's another um, pedal that was also part of these various pictures they've been sending out. That is like a, it's some kind of black four knob. I job. saw that one, that little thing. Yeah. So I'm wondering what that's all about. That might be the one that w- we really get blown away by. Like, oh, what is this crazy thing? You know. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what. what and, and of course, really, about. the best thing about this past week was um, 
Strymon put out a video uh, of Pete Selly, who we have, you know, Pete, um, who's like their lead yeah. designer, I want to say. Um, I forget what he what the hell he does there. Is he the one playing the Agile? He's playing Agile. That's so awesome. <laughs> so here's this company that makes pedals that are more expensive than the, guitar. than the guitars that they yeah. feature in their that was in a, like their videos. No, that was a baller move. I love yeah. that so much. Um, but anyway, there's this uh, there was a p- pedal board picture of a some kind of Strymon black single spaced uh, pedal, and a lot Did of I people just are say trying to baller th- move. Baller move. Sit. Sick, sick video bras. Dang, I feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> dang, it feels good to be a dangster. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, talking about something from uh, another company. Yeah, that makes digital pedals uh, and but, analog pedals as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently got to do a demo and review for the Mimic by TC Electronic or the Mimic. I think it's Mimic. I think I said it wrong. Well, we shouldn't have a, a U under the Q for Mimic? No. Know. So I don't know. It, however you obviously, think it said. You know, you know we're, we're famous for our, our perfect pronunciation. Yeah. Pronunciation. Whenever I see a Q, I just think it should be like at the end of something. For some reason, I think it should be like eek. I don't huh. know why. I don't know. Whatever whatever it's called is fine. I'm sure there are people who are like, look at all these examples yeah. of words that are spelled with an IQ ending that aren't eek. So I did I did a demo it's of it. It's probably Mimic. I did a demo of it a week or two back. Yeah. I can't figure out the math in my head of how far away it was. From it doesn't matter. It was recent. But uh, it's a very interesting demo. And I, we got a lot of really great feedback on it. Got a lot of questions on it. Uh, TC Electronic was kind enough to feature it in their newsletter email. Yeah, that was awesome. Which get, get, got us a lot of views and a lot more comments on it. Uh, to me, it's a very interesting pedal uh, to review and do the demo of. I started the demo off with it in mono. And I'm going to be honest and and forthcoming with you guys. It's It was a little underwhelming to me in mono. Like I, It does the effect and it sounds doubled. But then it was like, uh, I could kind of probably do this with a flatback echo and it's not a big deal. We have but, the seventh most watched Mimic video on really? YouTube. But the other ones have like 30,000 views. We have more views than the TC Electronic. No. no. There's a t- oh, there's a couple TC Electronic. Okay. There's a few a- ahead of us. No but more. then the moment that I put it into... Oh, their official one has 57,000 views. Yeah, I'm telling you, man. We're, we're way behind. But anyways, the moment I put that thing into stereo... Mm-hmm. I ran two amps at the same time. I yeah. ran the Classic 50 and the Princeton. Yeah. I was like, holy hell. If you run a stereo rig, it is not a suggestion. You absolutely have to have this pedal. And to have that kind of like dichotomy in a review and the way I feel about this pedal is like really crazy to me. I, I never run stereo rigs, but there's plenty of people who do. Right. Running this thing in stereo was huge like to be in the room with it like it felt almost spiritual it was really Mm -hmm. interesting and really like this powerful sound like you could if you know i get why a lot of church guys run stereo (laughs) like right right well i mean it is a big really big sound and if you're running this thing and it's got it's got dual inputs and dual outputs so if you're already running a stereo rig you can throw it into multiple That's dual inputs. Yeah, you can run it into multiple m- multiple places in your board. Gotcha. A, a guy was asking me that on 
on the comments, he was like, hey, I already used this other thing to split my signal, and I really like the, like the way that it sounds. How is this going to work with my board? I was like, it's got dual inputs. Right. It's just going to turn the thing that you're running into it that has dual outputs into this effect that makes it sound like you've got two, three, or four tracks running at the same time right so the idea is that is that uh because i i mean i haven't heard it i've, I've read a lot about it i mean i've i've watched the demos and stuff right, i've right. heard in person um is that you're sending signal in say you're running mono into stereo right? right right well let's just talk about the general pedal concept the idea is that you're running signal in and what it's doing is it's uh it's effectively doing like an ultra short delay like 20 Here's 50 th- milliseconds something like that right and then it's taking the delayed signal and it's like pitch shifting it. No, here, here's as as well as I can like perceive. Uh huh. It's not actually a delay. I mean, it is a delay in in function once it's done. But what's actually happening is that it is it, it has a it has the function switch. So you're choosing how many uh, tracks are putting right. On top how of many it. how many doubles you can simulate if it's doubled, tripled, or quadrupled. Right. We'll, we'll just talk about one extra track. Almost, okay. Like if it's doubled, it's taking what you're playing and then taking that signal and then applying some kind of algorithm to it to, to stretch the timeout in kind of random and different ways. So that like a long, it's not just how long or mm-hmm. like how, how quickly it delays It's along the length of what you're playing. The time shifts without really doing much pitch modulation and with it just it shifts your playing in such a way that it sounds like there's another guitarist playing it or that it's you playing the part again but imperfectly mm-hmm. so it in mono it sounds like a slapback just because it gives you a little bit of a like a bump off the end of your attacks but in stereo, you really get that it sounds like there's multiple people playing or multiple guitars playing, and it really just fills the space. It's like, it's basically everything like stereo chorus has ever promised to be without the weird modulation. Like it gives you full, it gives you like fill the room, resonant. When I was running acoustic guitar into it in mm-hmm. the room, it was like angelic. Like it sounded really freaking good. So what you're saying is I should use this pedal for the church group I play with in and stereo. I should run into two separate channels. Well, it's still going to be well, a mono, can, but it'll be two just separate channels. What you can do is you, because you run direct into the board, right? Yeah. You just run into the board with two cables right. and, then, and then hard pan. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I don't think, no, we're sending out a mono signal. Oh, okay. Well, if there was stereo, <laughs> if there was stereo in the church, hard panning it would definitely lead people to right. Christ. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's awful. So this is a this seems like it's a pretty cool product. It's one hundred and thirty dollars. Yeah, um, I at some I mean, point, at a, honest, like like I said, if you run stereo rig, it's not a debate. You need this at one hundred and thirty dollars. It's like it's a no brainer. If you're running right. a stereo rig, like this is in your price range. Let's be honest. At some point I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's obviously trip, we man. have it. I just don't know when the next time I'm going to have an opportunity yeah. is. And it's a total th- I don't have a scenario really where, where I play in stereo anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe once the weather cools down, I'll come over here on one of my lunch breaks and we can really sure. mess with it. But, uh, sure. We'll I mean, see. when you're in the room and you feel it, you're going to be like, Holy hell. Yeah. This is nuts. 
All right. And people are going to, I'm like pumping this thing up. I'm almost worried that someone who runs stereo rigs all the time is going to get it and be like, ah, what are you talking so about? So disappointed. You're full of it. I'm disappointed. But honestly, like I've run stereo rigs at home. I've never done them live because that's kind of like an ungiggable rig concept mm-hmm. for me. But lots of people do it. I've never been impressed by a stereo tone at home where I've been like, yeah, I'd, I'd want to gig with this. I would super want to gig with this sound. Right. Like, it sounds huge. Like legitimately like impressive. So really good job, TC. And we're gonna continue talking about TC because today, the day that we're recording, uh Friday, the day before the Monday that you're listening to this, if you listen to it when the day it comes out, uh TC just announced and released all the information for the new pedal line that they have been teasing on social media. They've been posting uh little te- te- excuse me, mega burp there, teasing uh you know, sideways pictures of their new case design and mm-hmm. not saying what it's for. And they've come out with how many pedals all at the same time? I think something like 13, like 13 or 15 or something like that. It's a ton of pedals all at once. And it's every single one of them is $50, right? Five zero dollars. Let me count these real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen. Lucky, lucky thirteen over here. That's what I said, right? No, I said fifteen, didn't I? Yeah, you said thirteen or fifteen. So you're right once. You're right fifty percent of the time, Steve. So they've got four drive pedals. They've got a metal pedal, a fuzz yeah, pedal, a drive pedal, three and a delays. Uh, one is one of those is a reverb. Oh, okay. So two delays, reverb and two so, delays. So it's basically a standard delay and echo. A boost and a uh, compressor. delay. And four modulations. Uh, what do we Phaser, have here? flanger. Um, vibrato. Vibrato. Chorus. And chorus. They do say that their flanger goes all warped vinyl. And as we already know, the warped vinyl is not a flanger. Uh, it's a chorus. Yeah. How dare they? But you know what's, you know what really like sticks out <laughs> to me? And, and it sticks like a sore thumb. That they're $50? No, that there's no tremolo. Oh. Or tremolo. However it's pronounced. Tremolo. I don't understand. I can't even think about how it's pronounced anymore. Thanks to you guys out there. Uh, tremolo. There's no tremolo in the lineup, which that's, is that's a little weird. weird to me, right? Yeah. Flanger of maybe phaser, vibrato chorus. Maybe they'll come out with it when they... When I bug them enough, maybe I don't they know. just hate you. Maybe they hate me. But fifty dollars for these things. I listened to their demos, and they all sound fine. Yeah. Now, is it just the pictures, or are they actually like short? Yeah, I was wondering that because they do look a little stubby. Like the knobs are pretty close to this switch. Yeah, I can't tell if that's if they're actually short or if they just use like giant knobs. I can't tell if they're huge or if they're small. So I I'm interested to see what the scale of these things actually are, but people people are kind of freaking out about these a little bit just over the price range. It's almost it almost feels like if they charged a hundred dollars even for these, people would be like, oh wow, that's really cool. But like looking at the gear page, people are freaking out a little bit. Like oh, right. fifty dollars, they must not be any good. It's like you don't know that. Like we got to try the Mojo Mojo a while back, and don't they have another drive pedal that was like a fifty dollar drive pedal? Like the dark matter or something like that? The dark matter, right. So they they have precedent for doing this. The Mojo Mojo was a great pedal. I filmed a demo of it and I lost the audio somehow. Someone sent one to us. Oh, I was wondering why that hadn't been released yet. I haven't posted it. I have a bunch of demos I've been sitting on that I just haven't had time to edit. Yeah, the Mojo Jojo. That was one I completely... The Mojo Jojo. 
That was when I completely screwed up, but I thought it sounded great. Yeah, we had the Mojo Mojo, the Dark Matter, and then technically the Spark is a boost. Yeah. Uh, but they kind of categorize them all together as their uh, their pedals. And in they that have category. another boost here. I think. That, I think, and and there's another criticism where people are saying like, oh, these are probably like rehoused Behringer circuits, mm-hmm. which. I guess it could be possible. I'd imagine that TC would put some, even if it that was that was the base, they'd put some kind of their own tweak on it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't do a straight like rebranding the way you see with like Moore pedals into like other Chinese versions of them. Um, so I had to pause for a minute, and I, I lost my train of train of thought there. Uh, but anyways, uh, oh yeah, I was talking about how they might if they are like recased Behringer pedals because apparently mm-hmm. the same company that owns TC and also oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Owns there's, there's a company I think it's uh, Music Group is the name of the company right right so it's you know it's it's completely possible that there's some kind of collaboration going on here to get pedals out this cheap but one of the main you know, Behringer pedals have always sounded really decent in my opinion and right. the, the main thing that's kept me from ever buying one ever again was the stupid plastic case I, I know you had the preamp and it, it did its job, but it was also super noisy. I had a delay too. And uh, I'm, I don't know if I could, like the delay, I can't really like necessarily hear my head. I don't remember the, my head. the preamp being noisy. I, I remember just, it being kind of noisy. Okay. As well. far as like, I mean, it was a boost, but I, the noise floor wasn't, yeah. wasn't super clean. Um, but yeah, that was one of the major complaints with the Behringer pedals and people have been sending us Behringers for the wheel of pedals. Yeah. Cause they're worth like 20 bucks, and, 30 bucks. And aside from them only being worth like 20, 30 bucks, like, and I, I forgot where I said this before. This was probably years ago. The thing with the Behringer pedals is they're like flimsier than the Dan Electro food pedals. Well, the Dan Electro food pedals are surprisingly robust for yeah. their looks. Well, yeah. I mean, the, th- but yeah, Be- Behringer pe- the issue with those is that the knobs fall off. But the thing with the Behringers is like the plastic feels really thin. It just feels bad. Like I've never seen one that actually is broken, but they feel bad. I've seen a lot of reviews where people are like, I got this and I used it for like six weeks and, and then the switch yeah. stopped working or, yeah. or whatever. So this is one of those situations where... I mean, we don't know what the what the root of of these are. Obviously, uh, one of the questions that was brought up was like thirteen pedals at once. Is this going to oversaturate the market? Are people going to be like, why are we going to buy all? Like, why why would you release all these at once? Like, right? Maybe they should have released like one drive, one time one time pedal, one modulation, and then released another wave of them and 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 something yeah, if like they're that. They're all ready to go. Why not? Right. Um, and also releasing all 13 at once is part of why people are, are saying like, oh, these just must these must just be Behringer circuits. But the at the same time, the reality is, is you look at like even a lot of the, the small brands that we've covered in the past, like Keeley, uh, uh, Keeley's one of them. Yeah, Keeley had know, a ridiculous year in 2015 yeah, where like e- he just released it like EHX, a dozen, dozen EHX. Has yeah. kind of done the same thing where it's like they were releasing like one pedal a month for a year. Yeah. Keeley, I think, was releasing more than that. If say if EHX instead of in twenty in in whatever 2014, 2015, releasing one pedal a month, they said we're just gonna release everything in, all at once, they would have dropped like right. 10, 12 pedals on the market all on the same day. I mean, and TC is a relatively good sized company compared to a lot of the companies we talk about. Like they're right. they're basically Europe's boss, right? A, I don't think they're necessarily respects. Europe's boss because boss is, I think, pretty ubiquitous as it is. But TC is um, maybe Europe's uh, electroharmonics. Maybe, 
I, I, it's hard to say. I, you know, it's it's maybe one, Europe's Digitech. <laughs> I think that's fair, right? I don't know. I honestly, I, I have no idea what their sure. company size is. Uh, you know, I think it's TC is a case of one of these companies that's just been around for a long time. Yeah, and has done. Uh, well, they're not just a pedal and, company. And it, they do a lot of like interface right, stuff. They own inter- Lexicon and, and different things. Stuff and- they do uh, TC Helicon, which is like the vocal stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so they, they have a, a wide product range and they've been around long enough to to really have like a lot of different things going on. But it's one of those things where, you know, I, I guess it's, what I'm saying is like, I feel like it's hard to speak on like what the company size is sure sure but as far as reputation goes as far as reputation goes i would maybe say that like t-rex is europe's ehx in which case i could sure i could kind of see how quirkier a little i could kind of see how you would say like tc electronic uh is europe's boss but then why are they so much better and they obviously don't have anything in like the sub 50 dollar range until now right Uh, right. though someone might argue that the mojo mojo and the dark matter as well as a lot of other pedals from that series um were being sold for like fifty dollars when they were when they were price dropped at the end i think they were fifty dollars fifty or sixty they were trying to move them anyway uh all that to say i think there are two ways to look at this uh, one is company with a strong reputation releasing 13 pedals at once recently after being acquisitioned by a mega corporation. Oh, this seems really sketchy. The other way to look at it is company that has a reputation of putting out strong products time and time again over the years. Um, releasing 13 budget, pro- like they're supposed to be like studio friendly budget, right, whatever right. priced. Um, releasing them all at once, like this is what lots of companies should be doing. And at the end of the day, you know, the answer really is like we say for so many effects, especially when we haven't had a chance to sit down with them, is you guys are the ones who are going to decide whether or not this is a successful product. You guys are the ones who have to sit down in a store or buy it off of wherever and plug it in and decide, is this a pedal I want to keep on my board? Is this a pedal that might be cool, you know, a couple times a month to pull out? Is this a pedal that is going to give me that tone for that song? Or is this a pedal that I just blew $50 on and I should probably take it back before my 45-day <laughs> warranty is over? Well, I look at it from a very consumerist perspective. And I kind of look back in time a little bit to, you know, 15-year-old Ryan or 16-year-old Ryan mm-hmm. who didn't have any money. And every now and then would have enough money to go buy a pedal from Pawn Shop or whatever. $50 a pedal is like, that's cheap for every year of my life that I've been a guitarist. Like there's no time in my life where that would have been like an inaccessible pedal. There's stuff in the lineup that's like, oh, maybe I'm chorus curious, but I just don't have the budget to go drop 120 on, you know, a used boss pedal. Or, right. Or, you know, I don't, or I, I'm not going to, don't want to commit to something super involved, even another TC product that has, you know, all the different modeling and tone print stuff. Like, I just want to try this out. You know, someone told me I should have a flanger for this one song. And I just need it for that one song. And there's a place on my board or whatever. You just go get this $50 thing. Like not every pedal on everyone's board mm-hmm. is this super thought out. Like I have to get the very best and get the, most options in the world to have a $50 option, single pedal spaced 
box that's you know it's got top jacks on it with lots of space up there so you can use you know whatever you want you can put it anywhere you want on your board no problem and that if it's to the uh the quality standards that we've seen from all other tc products like the case is going to be bulletproof yeah These things are going to work every yeah. time i've never seen a tc product go bad in in my handling of it sure uh so I, I yeah, think, I had that Hall of Fame, and like I was actually like blown away at how because I took it apart. They're beefy at one point, um, and if this is built anywhere near, well, they kind of the, look like, the same level yeah. of like bulk. Like I mean, that thing was ridiculous. They kind of look like rat cases. Yeah, like the Proco style rat case that they've come up with this. And when have you ever seen a rat case that was mangled? Right, like they're they're beefy. They're they're gonna stand up to abuse. I I think this is great. Uh, I don't, I, the way they have these things designed, they're not competing with themselves. They're not competing with, you know, boutique guys. They're not competing with, uh, other more expensive pedals. Like these are very bare bones. These are like, you know, like three knob distortion, three knob overdrive and stuff like that. And, you know, four knob, uh, metal distortion. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the standards. It's the meat and potatoes. Well, and you know, honestly, that's one of the things where when people are saying like, Oh, these look like, I bet these are Behringer circuits. I don't know a Behringer. I'm, I'm not super well versed on the Behringer product line. Right. But like, does Behringer have a three knob digital delay? All the Behringer digital delays I've seen are four knob. Uh, does, yeah, because they're usually like direct rips of Boss pedals. Right. So there will be like three knobs, and then there will be the fourth knob that has the different millisecond like selections. So I mean, in that case, like I don't really know. Yeah. No, these things are definitely. Any of these even, are even like, if there's that cheap a gut aspect to them that is similar or comes from the Behringer line. They did some reworking on these to make them happen. There was some R and D on these that goes beyond just recasing a Behringer for sure. Yeah. And I'm sh- I'm sure they're all voiced you know different in some way. Even if they are, I, I really kind of doubt that they are. I I wouldn't put it past TC to. My initial thought was like, oh, they took, you know, like some of their favorite settings from different tone print pedals and right. did, a, did a single pedal version of it. Right. Um, I, I'd i be interested to try out uh, some of the, the dirt pedals. I also kind of want to check out their uh, the reverb pedal in their own demo, their own teaser for it. They said that it, it'll do uh, Dick Dale style reverb. And I kind of want to see how true that is. You know how I am with the drippy surf reverb. Yeah. So I have a feeling it's probably not going to be the drippy reverb I'm looking for. But for $50, it actually has three options on it. It has spring, plate, and room, I think. Where else are you going to get a $50 pedal that looks great like that and is going to give you those basic tastes of reverb that you need? Like, let's be honest, that's... You know, pedal like that is going to be like the basics of what you're just going to use. You know, like you can go out and spend four hundred dollars for a fancy pants reverb, but at the end of the day, you're doing those three options. Sure. Well, I mean, it just depends on what you really need. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it all depends on your needs. But like yeah, this, like I said, this stuff is so meat and potatoes. Yeah. Like, there's nothing fancy pants here. There's no bells or whistles, extra tricks. They're not trying to dazzle you with like, oh. Here's the shim verb you've never heard before. Like, it's just a reverb. This is like 50 bucks a pedal. You can build a pedal board for 200 bucks, basically, and mm-hmm. throw a tuner in there and have a functioning giggable pedal board. Less than that, I'm sure, for most people. But I don't know. I, I, I'm i looking forward to trying some out. 
in the future. We might uh, get some demo units sent to us, or we might just buy some when they yeah, become available. Fifty bucks a pop. Uh, that's not bad. I'm looking forward to seeing them on the wet, on the wheel of pedals. Oh my gosh! Hey, maybe we should just buy some and put them on the wheel of pedals. I'm I'm saying that maybe other people should buy them and put them on the wheel of pedals. There you go. That's yeah. a probably better suggestion than mine. Yeah. So, uh, do we have anything to close with? We get, yeah. We have a song once again, up? I'd like to thank our sponsor this week, Nobody. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, this nobody. episode came out of the goodness of Ryan and our hearts. Just kidding. Uh, it doesn't matter if we're sponsored or not. We're going to be making this show because. We need a, you know, just like you guys. We need to get out of the house. Sometimes, sometimes. you uh, need to sit down and talk about what is the latest in guitar, gear, and the used market, I mean, and whatever else. With, let's be honest. At this point, we just like the attention, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, this episode, or this song uh, that we're gonna play, is from um, Tyler Aldridge. He says this is his grindcore band from 2005. He was the drummer and the guy. Oh, he he says I was the drummer at the time and the guy that actually sings. Ignore all the breeze, breeze. I don't know what that means. Uh, he says to put up on a drunk cast when no one will care. But oh well, we're playing it now. Uh, this song is called "Herpes Goes to Delaware." I love it. I love it. I can't wait to find out. What I this honestly like. like the grindcore stuff. The grindcore submissions are always my favorite ones. Yeah, because people are like. Oh, yeah, you're not going to want to play this. Oh, you're going to hate this. And then I listen to it, and it's like it's like talking, 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 and then like 45 seconds to like 45 to 90 seconds of just like madness. Yeah, yeah. We love crazy stuff. So uh, thanks, Paul, uh, or Tyler, sorry, uh, Tyler slash Paul slash, I don't know. Um, this beard you got strong, dude. No, that's not what it is. It's that. That's what his, it is for me. His email, his email says Tyler, but his... Showing name is Paul. I don't really get it. Um, thanks, everyone else who sent in songs. We put in a big request for songs today. Uh, if we don't play yours next episode, we will play yours in a future episode. Uh, it's always better to have backstock of songs than uh, to be sitting around on a Friday afternoon going, oh, I hope someone sends us a song yeah, tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, otherwise, I'm just going to play a, uh, a garage rock tune from Japan. From Japan India. or from... Russia. New Zealand. Kenya. Africa. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this is Steve. This is Ryan. Bye. Bye. Bye.